HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Sarah Kim, and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more, and if it's for you, sign up. This week on Meet and 3, we continue our trade series with a piquant look at the many faces of the spice trade. From the high price tag of saffron to the ubiquity of chilies and the potential ripple effect that farmer protests in India may have on the global spice market. You know, farmers are, are protesting because they feel like their lives and livelihoods are on the line. You find it in a lot of cured foods like cured meat and Parmesan cheese. Um, you also find it in ripening foods like ripe tomatoes are very high in uh, MSG. So there's sources of it all over the natural world. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, and welcome to the Feed Feed podcast. I'm Julie Resnick, co-founder of The Actual Feed Feed, the world's largest social native food publication and community serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Throughout season four of the Feed Feed podcast, I will be trying to help you solve the question that we are all faced with on a daily basis, what's for dinner? Each week, I will be speaking with content creators that are part of the hashtag Feed Feed community, whose recipes are a constant source of ideas and inspiration that help me get dinner on my table nearly 365 days a year. Today, I'm joined by Jenny Park and Terry Lynn Fisher, business partners and bloggers over at Spoon Fork Bacon, who've been blogging together for the past 10 years. They've also written and developed recipes and photographed three cookbooks together, including The Perfect Egg, a fresh take on recipes for morning, noon, and night, tiny food party, bite-sized recipes for miniature meals, and cocktails for the seasons. Welcome to the Feed Feed podcast, ladies. Thank you so much. Hi. Thanks for having us. Hi. Thanks so much for joining me. So let's talk about food. It looks like from all of our backgrounds, we all love food. Um, And I wanted to start out by going back to 
your uh, childhood. Tell me about food and how it related to your family. Jenny, maybe we'll start with you. I know that you grew up in Chicago. I'm wondering, did you grow up in a house where you guys ate a lot of home-cooked food? Um, definitely. Um, I grew up in a very like traditional Korean household, and my mom um, cooked meals all the time. And so it was like really big mix of, like my mom is an amazing cook, so she did a ton of traditional Korean dishes growing up, which I was really used to. And then growing up in the Midwest, um, we also did a lot of sort of like stick to your rib um, type meals like meatloaf, mashed potatoes, green beans. Um, So it was sort of like across the board in that way. Mm, Sounds delicious. So (laughs) your mom cooked a lot. Were you involved in the kitchen growing up? Um, I was. I was always really interested in learning and sort of poking around in the kitchen with her. Um, kind of asking her to like share recipes with me. And of course, in like very typical like mom home cook um, ways, it was a lot of like, okay, well, how much of this did you put in there? And she would just show me like two index fingers and it's like (laughs) this much of the spice. You know, I'm like, no, but how many tablespoons? And it's like, oh no, this is how much. Or she would like give me a fist and I'm like, mom, that's not a measurement. So (laughs) it was a lot of like that sort of cooking. But um, yeah, we always had like a lot of fun together doing that. Awesome. And Terry, how about you? I know that you grew up in Idaho. Did you grow up in a family that cooked a lot of home-cooked meals? Um, Yeah, it was very meat and potatoes. Like, I have a lot of memories of eating just, like, so much meatloaf. And (laughs) I just remember being like, can we we chill on the meatloaf for dinner all the time, please? Um, That, and then, like, my mom didn't cook fancy meals. Like, I also remember having, like, a lot of broccoli and cheese. So it wasn't necessarily, like, impressive. But they were they were definitely home, home cooked. And how about you? Did you spend a lot of time cooking or baking? Or were you just kind of watching as your mom cooked? Yeah, I didn't really. But I have to say, when I moved to L.A. for college and and tried just, like, all of the different kinds of restaurants that were here, it was mind blowing because there's there growing up in Idaho, there wasn't really like a ton of variety of food. Um, like I remember, I feel like in junior high, we finally got a Taco Bell and it was like such a big deal. <laughs> and so it, they're just, yeah, I don't know. Moving to LA was just like mind blowing in the food, in the food category for me. Yeah, it really is. Um, We moved to L.A. Well, for several years now, we've been going back and forth between New York and L.A., but this year we're here full time. And I mean, it's like I knew that all of the food in the country was pretty much grown in California, but it's not until you start like going to the farmer's markets or like I always say to people that I just still can't get over. Like I'll be walking down the street in our neighborhood and they're like, lemons and oranges like on the side of the road that have like fallen from someone's tree and like um are discarded like you know a dog's tennis ball it just it it cracks me up how um you know like food is just growing here nonstop and there's so much variety um but yet it doesn't seem like a lot of it gets sent out of California i think we get the benefit of a lot of foods fruits and vegetables um that maybe just don't last that long and they just, they never make it all the way to New York. 
Yeah, that's definitely something that is so great about Southern California is just the seasons are just so long for everything. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, All right, cool. So yeah, I'm glad that you brought up California. That was actually, I noticed that you both went to college in California. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then did you ever move back to the Midwest or it looks like you've both been here ever since then? Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So I'm curious, how did you meet? Um, We actually met on set. Uh, I think for both of us, it was like post-college. We were both assisting at the time. Um, Terry was doing freelance photography, and I was just getting into freelance food styling Mm -hmm. and recipe development at the time. Um, And we were both assisting a team and met and sort of hit it off. And then we had a lot of our own ideas that we wanted to get into ourselves and sort of do our own thing. And yeah, I think it just sort of um, like naturally happened that way. Oh, that's great. So that was, I guess, over 10 years ago now or right around 10 years ago. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. (laughs) Yeah, we were babies. (laughs) Um, So I guess like, let's talk a little bit about Spoon Fork Bacon, your blog, um, I guess first off, where did the name come from? Um, well, we knew we when we knew we were doing a blog, we labored over the name for like a month. I feel like we were like constantly texting each other back and forth, and one of us just had this trio of the three words that worked really well. And I know we were playing with um, two word names at one point and spoon and fork was something that we were kind of stuck with. Like we, we felt good about that. And then bacon just felt like it, it worked when you say it. It does. I love it. (laughs) It's definitely memorable. Um, so, so I guess speaking of bacon and the types of recipes that you've developed over the years, um, you know, from from my perspective, you know, looking at your blog and looking through your cookbooks and, you know, having followed you both on Instagram for so long, um, you know, it's such a mix of, I would say, like, you know, comfort food that's a little bit richer than like, you know, traditional or like typical California fare. But it definitely feels like there is this um, sense of like, you know, color, color is so important to you. Um, it seems like through the food that you're using. So fresh, um, vegetables and, you know, I noticed like one of your, one of my favorite recipes of yours is that, uh, root vegetable gratin, which is like beautiful purples and oranges and yellows. Um, maybe talk to me a little bit about the, the food and the the recipes that you guys cook. Like how would you describe, the type of um, fare that you offer your audience? Yeah, I think um, like from the beginning, our food has sort of evolved a little bit. Um, I think before we would really focus on, we like no matter what we wanted to do, a little more of like a hearty sort of like comfort food feel. Um, But it was mixed with a little more of like, how can we do something a little different and put a little twist on it? Um, And then it sort of evolved to like staying with the whole comfort food idea but um or also making it like attainable like visually stunning and attainable for everybody because I think that's what people like they just really like things that are like easy delicious that look great and that's kind of um 
like our main focus and goal. Yeah, I mean, that definitely comes through in both the photography and, you know, in the actual recipes um, when you review them and, and make them. Um, I'm curious, like, what are some of the most popular recipes on your site? And I guess it's like a two-part question. Have the types of recipes that were popular in the early days continued to be popular or has your audience evolved um, in what they they like to make from your site? I think early on, we used to have a lot of, a lot more popular, um, like random, well, I guess not random isn't the right word, but they were from almost every category. Like we have this chai banana cake that was really popular for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when we started doing more recipes that were centered around dinner or, recipes that were centered around like um holiday meals like that root vegetable gratin that you were talking about mm -hmm. um those side dishes became pretty popular for us too like that and then the cheesy potato casserole and then there's also just ones that we've redone because they've just always been popular which is like yep. our baked egg boats and um like our pumpkin mac and cheese and then pumpkin risotto that's also a good one we have a lot of um, like fall and winter recipes that are super cozy and super hearty that are just mainstays and things that are super popular for us like all the time, which is nice. Yeah, that's great. Um, and when did you write your first cookbook? Oh, my gosh. Um, Jenny, do you think that was before the blog even? Well, um, I know we – Got like so the blog sort of evolved because um we even before playing around with the idea of blogging, we both knew that we really wanted to um create a cookbook. Uh -huh. And so from there, um Terry actually was the one that was like, Well, you know, we're we are gonna need some sort of platform. And I was actually kind of against it in the beginning of like, ah, I don't know if I want to get into blogging. It seems like a whole other thing. Um, but then so we were actually out um pitching our cookbook and then once we actually got a deal for our first book which I think was in 2011 I want to say um that's when or maybe 2010 <laughs> and that's when we were like okay like I think we had made a deal of like if we do get this cookbook deal then like let's launch a blog and so we actually ended up getting the cookbook first and then while we were working on the cookbook um we were also launching the blog and doing that simultaneously, making sure that the blog was ready by the time um, our book was like being published and launching. Oh, that's really <laughs> so. cool. I feel like that's so different than what most people, the trajectory is usually from a blog and getting, um, you know, having an audience and having, you know, loyal followers and, you know, uh, readers that then, you know, help them to get the word out for their cookbook. But that's cool that you guys did it the other way around. Yeah, it was a little backwards, but yeah. luckily it worked out okay. <laughs> yeah. And all of your cookbooks are very, like, niche topics, like the perfect egg, although that is a fresh take on recipes for morning, noon, and night. So that is not just breakfast. Um, and then your tiny food party, bite-sized recipes, and then cocktails. Did you always want to, like, have a very niche topic that you covered in your books? Because your blog is, of course... Um, all different types of recipes, you know, 
No, I mean, tiny. so Tiny Food Party happened first, and that was just because Jenny and I both love appetizers, and appetizers are one of the biggest sections on our blog. Um, And so, like, miniaturizing dinner recipes into Mm -hmm. appetizer recipes just seemed like a really fun thing to try to do. Um, Totally. But yeah, I don't know. All those books, all the books, they just happen naturally. The niche, the niche category, don't you think? Yeah. And I think sort of with like how, like, I think from, if you were to look at a lot of our recipes from like, yeah, close to 10 years ago to now and the evolution of all of that, I think we, not that we aren't playful with our food now, but that was like, really, like, we really loved doing that. Like with, so with the tiny food party, we loved the idea that everything was really playful in that book, that everything was miniaturized, um, things that you would typically find, even like regular size appetizers. We were like, how do we just make them teeny tiny um, for more of a party vibe and just make it extra fun? And then I think um, sort of like in the beginning, if you look at our blog, we have a lot of like extra playful like dishes like that, because at that time, that's like something that we were really interested in. And, and then from there, it's like we... We're getting a little older and like what was important to us um, on like a day-to-day basis. We're getting busy with work. So it's like, okay, even for us at home, it's, you know, we need um, things that are like less ingredients that take less time to make at home, easier for the weeknight. And then I think um, from there, like our cookbooks, like with the egg book, Mm -hmm. we still wanted something that was a little playful, but then that's a little more... um, like everyday attainable of things that you could make easily for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and even desserts, but all around like an egg. So that evolved a little more from just fully like party playful foods um, to just sort of more everyday foods, but centered around a specific ingredient. And then um, you sort of see that like reflecting in our blog as well, like today of where we're just sort of like, okay, let's do things that we think that people would like on the everyday that are still like fun, delicious, and great, but that you're not just preparing for if you're having like a fun event or anything like that. Yeah. My name is Sarah Kim and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Wisconsin cheese has proven time and time again to be a delicious expression of craft, hard work, and tradition. As a Cheeselandian, I am able to share a Gouda experience with fellow cheese and food lovers nationwide, as well as connect with cheese producers and cheesemongers, taking my love of cheese to another level. I invite you to join Cheeselandia because during these difficult times, it has been even more important to take it easy and get cheesy. The Cheeselandia community and events have been the glue helping to keep us together and connected. And I would love it if you would join me. And let's face it, if you hear the word cheese and get a little hungry, then you've found a place you can call home. To find out more about Cheeselandia, go to cheeselandia.com. You guys have been great guests so far because all of my segues, you've actually like perfectly (laughs) teed them up. (laughs) Um, which is talking about how you both cook and eat at home. Um, so maybe Terry, if you want to tell me like, what are ingredients that you always have in your kitchen, in your pantry, in your fridge, in your freezer, what are some of your kind of go-tos in terms of ingredients you always have on hand? Um, I always have chicken thighs in the freezer and 
embarrassingly enough a frozen pizza because I love frozen pizza. It's just <laughs> and wh- so wh- good. What's your favorite brand of frozen pizza? Um, I really like the Bonza chickpea vegetable frozen pizza. That's kind of like my new favorite one. And I just cover it in red pepper flakes and more Parmesan on top. And it's delicious for like a really easy dinner. Yeah. Um, But I love chicken thighs. And um, I would say that and salmon is probably like go-to dinnery. And then salmon, just like simple roasted vegetables. Love it. And any like condiments or sauces or spices that you would say that like you're always reaching for time and again? I mean, I'm pretty obsessed with green onions. I put green onions on almost everything. I don't know why, but (laughs) I am a big onion fan, I guess. And it just feels like green onions feel like they go on everything. They do kind of go on everything. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's it's true. They do. Well, they're mild, you know, so they don't overpower the dish. Um, they just add a little bit of that, you know, oniony flavor. And they're that. pretty. So they yeah. like make everything look like slightly fancy. Totally. <laughs> How about you, Jenny? What ingredients do you always have in your kitchen? Um, Chicken, like whether it's chicken thighs, a whole chicken, um, breasts, just, I always have that in the fridge or freezer. I think it's just like one of the easiest things, um, whether it's like a spatchcock chicken that I'm like doing, like cooking and roasting on a Sunday just to be able to like use it for the rest of the week. Um, or yeah, using it in a salad and tacos. It's like chicken is so easy. There's so much you can do with it. And I have it. Yeah. Freezer, fridge, like 24 seven, that uh, sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even more so now with my daughter, she's obsessed with sweet potatoes. So it's, we always have it. And then it's great because I can roast some for her or mash some for her. And then we always end up using it as well, roasting it in the oven for ourselves or I'll like throw it in a soup and it's really nice and easy. And it's like instant flavor, um, really nice and hearty, but still pretty healthy. Um, And then garlic and shallots are something I also just always have on hand, as well as cilantro. And I agree, green onions and chives also. Mm -hmm. Um, All of those things, like instant flavor boosters, um, really easy to make, really great, quick vinaigrettes, dressings, marinades with any of those ingredients. Um, So yeah, I think those are probably... Oh, and also frozen shrimp. Mm -hmm. It's like a really quick, easy protein to be able to like thaw. And I always have shrimp. So it's like if we're doing like a pasta and I just want like like a low fuss protein, it's like easily just like thaw some and like throw them into our pasta, like use them for quick shrimp tacos, just anything like that. So yeah, that's the other (laughs) ingredient that I also always have on hand. Nice. And would you say that when you're cooking at home, you're thinking about recipes that you want? You're, are you kind of playing around with ideas you have for the blog and, you know, testing things out? Or are you often cooking recipes that are, you know, some of your favorite, either from one of your cookbooks or um, from the blog? I'm just kind of curious, like, how do you approach your home cooking? I constantly cook from the blog. You do? I cook... Yeah, like I cook 
Even last week I made um, our roasted tomato and basil soup because it's delicious. And then I can like freeze half of it (laughs) and have it for dinner later. And then like our chicken lettuce wraps I love making that has chicken thighs in it. And there's a lot of go-to blog recipes that I'm pretty obsessed with that I just like make all the time because I now I know them so well that it's like easier to just like throw them together. Yep. How about you, Jenny? Um, Yeah, it's a little bit of a mix of both. Um, I also like cooking from the blog. Like I mentioned, the spatchcock chicken earlier, um, just because that's one I probably do like twice a month Mm -hmm. um, because it's so easy. And then like my husband and I will like eat some of like that, like roasted chicken that night with some vegetables and a grain. And then I have the rest of the chicken that I'm using just throughout the week. Um, And so in that case, like if I'm, getting bored with something, I'll try to think of like, okay, well, how would people like using leftover, um, like shredded chicken breast? And, you know, so then that way, then it's like, okay, well, do we already have something like this? Or is this something new and easy that like we can create a recipe for? Or like, what's a really quick and easy soup? Um, Like maybe a broth-based soup where we can just throw some pre-cooked shredded chicken into and add a couple other things. And, you know, it's like under 30 minutes and So it's like a little bit of both. We'll be pulling, I'll be like making something that we already have on the blog and seeing if there are other ways to like resource it into new recipes. Yeah, I love that. Um, So let's talk a little bit about like recipe development and recipe writing. Um, Because I think a lot of people don't really understand what goes into that. How how do you approach it, um, you know, as a team of two? Do you have like a division of labor where Jenny, you're always doing part of it and Terry, you're doing another, or is it kind of intermixed? Um, well, we always say like with the blog and how we work, we really yin and yang things. Um, I do the actual like recipe writing and developing, and then Terry takes care of all like the propping and the photography, but I think we'll always start with like brainstorming ideas together. So it's a lot of, um, emailing, texting back and forth of different things that like, oh, you know, we don't have something like this on the blog yet. Or, you know, um, people have really been loving uh, like our uh, like Chinese takeout at home sort of recipes. So we should continue doing that. And Terry will like email me some ideas that she really likes. And then we'll sort of like brainstorm on like which ones um, like we want to work on first. And then um, after we sort of like agree on like which recipes uh, like we sort of want to work on for like the upcoming months, then um, like I hit like the development of, I usually start out writing like a rough recipe of um, sort of like how I envision it and then get into doing a few rounds of testing. Sometimes it works out great where it only requires a couple of rounds. Um, Mm -hmm. Other times it's just like a total overhaul from what I originally had planned out. So yeah, it's just a lot of initial brainstorming back and forth and then getting behind my computer and then into the kitchen and then back onto the computer and then back into the kitchen. So there's, there's definitely a lot that goes into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And how, how often do you publish new recipes on your blog? Mm, It depends. Um, Sometimes we do twice a week and sometimes we do three times a week. Um, That's a lot. So it is. Um, I'd say, I'd say more likely it's two times a week. 
Um, but it's easier because there's two of us, yeah, right. you know? So yeah. it's not like one person is doing everything. So it's it's different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's definitely helpful. Um, so let's talk a little bit about... Um, you know, the impact of the pandemic. And, um, you know, I noticed like I was looking at your blog and even just looking at like your blog traffic, it seems like it's just kind of going up and up. Um, Do you find now that people are cooking more and making more of your recipes and sharing those back with you on your hashtag um, more than they ever were? Definitely. And I think that's also why we kind of made that special what's for dinner section because it just felt like everyone was like, hey, do you have a do you have a recipe for ground turkey or do you have a recipe for this? And so Mm -hmm. creating just like a its own category um, to make it easier for everyone just seemed like a no brainer because everyone is cooking and everyone's looking for new recipes right now. Everyone's looking for easy recipes right now. And a lot of the recipes that we're focusing on are just like family friendly because everyone is cooking for their entire family for everything. So (laughs) just kind of like trying to make it easier on everyone. Yeah, Yeah, the pandemic definitely made us a lot more conscious of, you know, trying to do things like minimal ingredients, um, more like comfort foods of what people want to eat at home, like every day and every night, but not get bored with things and still have fun in the kitchen. Um, So there was definitely a shift in that, but it really made us really conscious about like the types of recipes we were putting out there for people. Yeah, it definitely is is, um, evident when looking through your blog and your Instagram um, everything looks so beautiful and delicious. Um, thank you. <laughs> what are some of your, I mean, I, you've mentioned some of the fan favorites of, from the blog over the years. Um, and I guess, you know, you think Terry, you mentioned the lettuce wraps, um, but what are some of Jenny, what are your, some, some of your favorite recipes that you've published over the years on the blog? Um, we have, a garlic and ginger braised chicken, Mm. recipe Mm. that's really simple um but that's something that I probably make like once or twice a month as well um yeah it's really really simple but it's so good it's like the soy brown sugar ginger garlic sauce that the chicken just simmers in um and then it's really good I like serving it with some brown rice and just some steamed vegetables or roasted vegetables on the side um but that's like easily a favorite in my household as well as our garlic noodles. Um, I was just going to say that. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's like, it's so, it's, you can make it under 30 minutes. Like it's so easy. You can, I like using fresh, um, like Chinese style egg noodles, but you can even just use dry spaghetti and it's like equally as delicious. Um, and it's so So simple and it's so simple and it's like, there's fish sauce in it, which like might scare some people, but it's, I like it's like the secret ingredient in that recipe. Yeah. I don't know. It has this like lovely umami. It's not fishy at all, but it like gives this like flavor punch into the recipe that's so so good. And that like every time my husband sees like the small handful of ingredients like sitting on the counter, he gets so excited <laughs> he because he get. knows. Oh, he knows it's garlic <laughs> noodle night. So it's just like yeah, those are probably um, two of the ones in like my household at least that are like really up there. <laughs> Oh, that's great. 
Um, and so have there been any recipes over the years that have just kind of gone viral that surprised you and, and maybe the other way around, like recipes that you were really, really proud of that um, maybe didn't resonate as much as you thought they would? I mean, I remember when we first posted the baked egg boats, that was like something that went really intense viral um and describe those for me those are the ones that are like do you have like a baguette where you've scooped something out and you've put them the eggs inside yeah so it's like a sourdough baguette that you hollow out and then you put an egg mixture inside and then you bake it yeah like a quiche and so it's kind of like yeah it's like a quiche in a in a bread bowl but only it's not a bread bowl, it's a baguette. Love it. Um, and then you slice it and they reheat amazingly well, which is awesome. I know because I like to make them and then reheat them in the toaster oven. And it's like even more delicious than when they're freshly cooked for some reason. I don't know why, but it, they just are. That's a really creative recipe. I don't, did, is that something you saw somewhere or did you just come up with that on your own? W- that I think like we invented weird... it. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's so um, you know, it's like so weird to say something like that because food these days it's like, you know, everything is everywhere, but this recipe came from like 2011, I think. It was like within the first year that our blog launched and when we were like really um brainstorming like different creative ways to present food and you know, we wanted to be really fun with it. Um and at that time, we hadn't seen anything like that. Um, yeah. And it that was one of those recipes that when we, like, sort of, like, developed it, it just clicked. And we were both really excited about it. But I don't think we expected it to become as big as it was at the time. But I think that recipe alone ended up, like, within our first year, giving our blog, like, a really big boost. Yeah. Because it did, like, especially at that time, like, 10 years ago, it, like, went, like, a bit viral and... We, we were really shocked about it. We were excited, but I don't think we were expecting that sort of like reception over something that like was seemingly so simple. But yeah. I think people loved it because it's just sort of like homey breakfast food. Yeah. I mean, and and it's in, a you know, a sourdough baguette that, you know, you don't have to make it. You know, you can pick one up anywhere. And, you know, I think compared to a quiche, which has that like, you know, it's a delicious, flaky, buttery crust. But you don't always want that. And I feel like it's it's sort of like something that you could have and reheat on, you know, a weekday or, you know, makes a special weekend, um, you know, brunch at home. And I'm curious, like for that particular recipe, have you updated the photography over the years or is the photo that's on your website still what you took 10 years ago? We actually, we just updated it. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like two weeks ago. Maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's why it's like so fresh in the in yeah. My, in it our looks minds. great. It looks great. I was thinking like, wow, ten years ago, this is like a killer shot. Oh my um, gosh, I, it's so funny that you say that because sometimes we'll we'll talk about like redoing a recipe, and I'm like, I hate these photos. They're so ugly. It's so embarrassing. Like, when can we redo this? Right. Right. But it's hilarious to look at photography then and then versus photography now. Yeah. But yeah, that's. You know. It's kind of like looking at old school photos of yourself where you're like, <laughs> yeah. wait, why did I have bangs yeah. then? Or like, did <laughs> yeah. I really wear that to school? Um, yeah. And, and like, it's... why so much negative space? Why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I always am saying like, because I'm obsessed with things being in the center. Um, 
of the frame. And like, sometimes if there are two bowls, I feel like back, we would have like two bowls and like nothing in the middle of the picture. I'm like, why are, where, why are we shooting? Like with like nothing in the middle, what's going on there? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's funny. I, f- I feel like blogs back then were going through a little bit of an artsy phase. I'll yeah. say that. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Now it's, I mean, for me, it's always been about the food, you know, but now it's like, and, and you both have, you know, you have that approach where it's like, you can see, the viewer can look at it and say, like, I know what that is. You know, it's like, I want to make that, you know, pasta or chicken. It's not like, what is that? You know, it's like too much going on around it. Um, cool. So the baked eggs went viral. How? What are some recipes that you thought might go viral, but they haven't. Like recently? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, years. even in the last few years, I think like, I feel like pretzels and like specifically soft pretzels and that whole idea um, has become really popular. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe it's always been popular, but I feel like I've been seeing in the last like handful of years, like pretzly things. And then I also feel like furikake had had its moment. Mm-hmm. And so we had developed this like, parmesan and furikake crusted soft pretzels with like a cheese dipping sauce and we were like really excited about it and especially right around this time of year I I think is when we originally launched it um for like Super Bowl and we were like oh this is like a little edgy but at the same time like people will love it because it's pretzels yeah and so we were really excited about it and then I think it was just sort of like whatever yeah no one really paid too much attention and that was one that we were both like oh my god why weren't people excited about this like we love it so I think that was one that sticks out in my mind of one that we were like really excited about and it was a little bit of a bummer (laughs) yeah yeah, it's interesting how that happens. We we have that happen too at Feed Feed and we will um like we won't believe it. We're like, "Oh, it was we just didn't put publish it on the right day or the right time or, you know, um maybe we should retry, you know, try that instead." Like maybe that I would say like, "Oh, maybe that would do better in the fall when people are thinking like, I don't know, Oktoberfest and pretzels and stuff like that." Yeah, totally. Um, and then we'll try a recipe again and we're like, "No, like it still just didn't it, yeah, I don't know. It, it didn't hit right. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's yeah. so funny how that happens because there's also things that we'll post and we'll be like, this one, people are going to love it because it's like pasta or whatever. And then it's – then it like falls a little flat and then it's like, okay, we can't read people's minds like we thought. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> exactly. It's okay. Um, awesome. So we're going to wrap it up soon. I wanted to end um, with this game that we play. Are you guys familiar with Fuck, Mary Kill? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it, right? Um, okay. So here are your three choices. Pasta, potatoes, and bacon. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> um... Okay, I guess this is really hard because this is a little unfair. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess I would marry pasta because it's amazing and there's a lot of variety. And then fuck bacon because it's like instant satisfaction and then I can move on to pasta. <laughs> 
And then I really don't want to say that I would kill potatoes, but you've put me in that unfortunate position because I love them so much. Yeah. But I, I think I like pasta more. Potatoes. Um, oh my gosh, that's funny. How about you, Jenny? Um, I think I would actually go also marry pasta. Um, <laughs> potatoes, and I know it's like a little oh ironic considering our name, but I think I would kill bacon in this scenario. I know this is like really unfair and hard, but yeah. And then like rely on the other breakfast meats and <laughs> maybe be okay. Oh <laughs> That's insane. You're smooth <laughs> bacon. I know. Is that terrible? <laughs> Julie, what are you doing to us? I'm sorry. I know. I was like, I'm going to make this one really hard because I think they have probably, you know, paid, well, I mean, if anyone listening along, you know, and head over to Spoon Fork Bacon and do a search for pasta and then do a search for potatoes and then do a search for bacon. And you'll see there are like seven plus pages of recipes. Yeah. Of so clearly those are three things that you both love. Yeah, um, that was best. <laughs> awesome. Well, I really appreciate you both taking the time out to have this chat with me today. Um, I hope that we can meet up sometime soonish in the real world here in LA. Um, but thank you. Yeah. Thank you so yeah, much, for, you having so much for having us. Yeah. yeah and congrats really great. with all of your success on the blog and the cookbooks. I can't wait to see what you guys are up to next. Yeah. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is the Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. Be sure and follow us on Instagram at The Feed Feed, and don't forget to follow Spoon Fork Bacon as well. If you have a food story to tell or you want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur who's helped you solve the what's for dinner question, we'd love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradio.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer and more delicious place and we couldn't do it without support from our listeners like you want to be part of the food world's most innovative community subscribe to the shows you like tell your friends and please join the hrn family by becoming a member thanks for listening